0: Once we understand what money is, what makes money, um, why we have it, why we lose it, and what our money persona is, then we can get to the heart of the matter, which is designing a game worth winning, designing a life that we love, and choosing a life of love, which as you get deeper in the book, there's very practical concepts in here on how to reclaim time, how to reclaim cash, how to take something from resourcefulness, an idea, and turn it into profitability, even if you don't have the Financial wherewithal when you start by having the cycle of creation and then identifying those hidden forces that create that context of a losing game. Hey guys, it's Caleb Williams. With- it is um, interesting me. First off, debt is a of your. Process.
1: Hey guys, I'm here at Wolf Labs with my good friend Garrett Gunderson. He just wrote the book Money and Mask. and we're just gonna not die. released yet not released yeah. yet but you can pre-order it or you can take the quiz which every single person that's watching this video who wants to know their money persona should do Garrett congratulations this this book is incredible and I'm very very excited to actually unpack it and actually read it yeah. but I feel like I've I've been immersed in your content for the last two two plus years and this message I don't believe has ever been more important than it is today when you're we were just talking before there's a lot of confusion going on and people there's a lot of personality tests going on out there and you're you're one of the only ones that i know that are talking about it from a standpoint of your money and where you're at in life
0: yeah it makes a big difference on how we make financial decisions and where there's a lot of contention between couples or a lot of like rebellion on when yeah. we are kids or what happens when there's difficult circumstances it starts to become really predictable what that behavior is going to be and when we can start to identify it which is usually running subconsciously because we know our money persona we can make better choices. Right. We can heal a lot of those wounds and ultimately understand other people and get on the same page. Like yep. knowing that my wife is a, her money persona is a conservative planner. So not, uh, not it's fiscally conservative, right? So essentially that's different than me. She likes to really get a lot of details, right. understand what's going on, wants to save up a ton of money. I'm more of a striver creator. So I'm quick to initiate. I'm building right. a lot of things. Working together is amazing because we get a lot more detail and then I keep us moving along. Yeah. And once we understood each other's money persona, it was able to support versus be contentious. Right. Like where I felt like I was the gas, she was the brakes where I felt like, yeah. why do you know these details or whatever it might be now I understood. And then she could help me research and figure right. things out. So this
1: book is different than your other books out there and it will be very interesting to see how the money world takes it you know it's it's like you wrote killing sacred cows which is like an amazing book tactics wealth fit like you know all these things and then you wrote um what the rockefellers do you have other books as well this one like talk about the why behind this from a standpoint of like why did you write this book and what's the core message underlying
0: well i really wrote like i wrote it like i was writing to my kids yeah um because I thought, okay, what, what would be the most important things for them to understand when it came to money? And then by being that specific, it became a lot more universal to anyone else that was gonna read it. And ultimately I felt, what are the shortcomings with money? What are the issues that people have? And what does money represent? Yeah. For a lot of people, money represents love. <laughs> you know, if I have enough, I'm successful, I'm lovable enough. And so we have this either fear or this desire for money that becomes extraordinarily unhealthy and is running us subconsciously so this book was about how do we get past either feeling like we don't have enough or getting stuck in this losing game because there's this whole context called the consumer condition that is kind of this cloud over people where society dictates how we behave and we get rewarded for that behavior but that those rewards are short dopamine hits that don't have sustainable happiness. And so we're chasing those and it continues to be a little bit elusive. It seems to be a little bit further out. It seems like one day we'll just sacrifice and it'll eventually pay off, but we lose who we are along the way. We lose what we love the most along the way. And ultimately we find ourselves in a bit of despair that most people won't admit because they're carrying that pain around silently. Right, And they think that money will fix that problem. And so once we understand what money is, what makes money, Why we have it, why we lose it, and what our money persona is, then we can get to the heart of the matter, which is designing a game worth winning, designing a life that we love, and choosing a life of love. Which, as you get deeper in the book, there's very practical concepts in here on how to reclaim time, how to reclaim cash, how to take something from resourcefulness and idea and turn it into profitability even if you don't have the financial wherewithal when you start by having the cycle of creation and then identifying those hidden forces that create that context of a losing game and really it talks about these two culprits more and sacrifice most people are always talking about if i only had more or i'm going to sacrifice now for the future and those two things are kind of the conduits or minions for scarcity. Yep. And they're so surprisingly elusive because sacrifice is written about as this great thing in almost every situation, but it becomes the thing that has us lose ourselves to the point where it's hard to refine and that money starts to define who we are. And I want to help flip that and switch it to this winning game where you deserve, where you determine the win, where you design the rules, where you create a vision, where you don't let society tell you what to do based upon, you know, hey, the old one that society when I was young was like, oh, go to, go to school, get good grades, you know, like, that's kind of yeah. been disrupted, but it's still kind of like, there's this push with millennials are like, I just want to live a quality life, but they haven't figured out how to live a quality of life. While creating value yes. and understanding their value yeah. and being a value creator, so it's like there's these two extremes of the pendulum, the the boomer generation, which was like, I'm just going to work because that's what's required, and you know what, if I don't get to see my kids quite as much or if I don't get to do the career that I want, it's okay because I'm providing for them. And then you know we go to the the younger generations, Generation Z, and everything is like like I don't think I want to live life that way, but they're still kind of lost because money seems so elusive to them. Yeah. So it's addressing what's at the heart of the matter that gets people so confused. So then when they get past that confusion, that clarity, that peace of mind, and that confidence leads to a life that actually serves others, it solves those problems and it adds value for the person and the the people that they know. Yep. Why the name money unmask? I feel like money's like a blinder. Yep. Like it's in this background, people aren't really talking about it, but it's like, what can I get from someone? What can I take? And it's this zero sum game that's in the background of one wins at another's expense. It's so competitive, it's so, and it's all born of scarcity. And so, when we understand that money's a byproduct of value creation, when we unmask that it's a man made efficient tool to exchange with one another, when we understand that it's dollars follow value and we know what our value is, it's not just knowing how we produce more. It's knowing how to live a quality of life along the way so that retirement doesn't even have to be required down the road if you start off properly or you're willing to make adjustments along the way. So it's it's helping us see past where those blinders are that money has us confused. I was confused in my 20s, just more is better. If I have more, I'm more valuable. If I have more money, I'm more lovable, I'm more desired. Uh, that's what success is. Like money's not a bad thing until it becomes a thing that ruins every moment of joy that we have along the way.
1: Yep, what I love about money unmasked is if you actually look at you know, the cash, currency, it's currency, it's actually not money. And so in, in a way, you're almost giving the middle finger to the whole system, in because you're unmasking what we have like money and we almost give it power, but you're totally right. It's, it, money in itself is no value if there's not another human tied to the equation.
0: I've heard so many people say stuff like, <clears throat> Oh uh, I don't love my job, but it has good benefits. That's because they're confused about money yeah, right um, people thirty four percent of uh, the young generation, people thirty and under right now thirty four percent of people living in America say communism would be a better system yeah that's con- yeah. that's where that's confusing but yeah. also this notion of capitalism through taking at another's expense, wall street extracting money from people you know that kind of stuff that's also because people are confused about money what we're looking for is a society where one person can serve another and we use money as an efficient means of exchange right and therefore people can be service focused but they can live they can focus on what they really want in life that money can help support not lose everything in life because they think that money will define who they are
1: love it man if you could give if you could put on a billboard one concept around your beliefs around money what would that concept be
0: like i get it it's hard not to be in comparison it's just how society is it's a take what you can get what you can while it's available you know the more you have the more valuable that's the narrative that's out there it's in every ad we see it's every time we watch a movie And someone is sitting there drinking a beer, eating what they want, but they're totally ripped. And we know they're now working out three times a day, right, in reality. But in the movie, it's like, that's just normal. So like, it's this whole dissonance that we're stuck in, that everything is about, we've got to have more. And then we get that more, and it's an insatiable appetite for more. And then we get that, and then, but really what we're looking for is more love, more expression, more enjoyment, more contentment, more connection when it comes down to it. But money has been something that has helped us be disconnected. Almost like social media has more people connected to each other in communication, but less connected as human beings in a sense of quality. And so the, the thing I would say about money is it isn't something to be feared. And when it's the only pursuit, it's not powerful enough to hold up our problems. I would say that money is a great companion, but a terrible solo artist. When it becomes our only goal, we often hurt other people in that pursuit. Yep. We put our interest in money over the interest of the other parties involved, and then we have a detriment to who we are as an individual. So what I mean by a companion is it's a benchmark. It's yeah. a good to understand, Emma, is this valuable? Do people value this? And you know, how do I reach more people? How do I impact yeah. them more deeply? And therefore, more money comes in. And as that money comes in, I could reinvest that in my purpose. I could reinvest that in my skill sets. Yeah. I can reinvest that in my quality of life. I can reinvest that into my community. It's 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 looking at it as something that flows through you versus stop when it gets to you.
1: Yeah. If going back to the billboard, if you had to make a statement that every single person would see. What would that what would that say on a phrase
0: um live your richest life it's good right money is part of being rich but if we're truly going to live a rich life that comes down to what is our quality of relationships how much love do we have for ourselves yep how much are we willing to learn about ourselves and extend who we are and, and express yep. to others like when i think of my richest life i think of doing comedy. I think of, yeah. you know, doing a, a, a play that I'm writing and performing. I'm thinking about have, being one-on-one, doing immersions. I'm thinking about the time yeah. I'm writing my blog or yeah. writing my books. I'm thinking yeah. about taking my family on trips along the way. I've, I've yeah. This year, the, the theme has been fun. Yeah, We've gone to a lot. We've done a lot. Yeah. So because my son just turned 18 and I want to have those yeah. those memories that are anchored. And so when money doesn't spoil the memory, but just helps to support the memory. It yeah, feels the memory. Yeah. Right. It's it. a support not a spoil and that's that's unfortunately where a lot of people are stuck is identifying them and seeing their net worth and their self-worth yeah. is the same thing
1: i i one of the one of the reasons i believe i'm on this earth is to make intentional living one of the metrics that's elevated greater than like wealth like you could say you're not wealthy if you're not living intentionally because your intentional life might look different than mine but, like, shouldn't that be the metric that we should reverse engineer? Right.
0: And you, you deliberately choosing your life. Yes. Right. That's the intentional part that you're yep. talking about versus having it chosen for you. Yeah. This is a good job with good benefits, with a good retirement or pension. And this is a, a title that is respected, or this is yep. a, like, you know, there, there's some of those people that are just these amazing talent when it comes to athletics, yep. but they don't make it in the pros when they get there because it's not, they don't have the passion for it. Yeah. Yep. They were just told that that's what they should do based upon their physique and what they, but that wasn't maybe what their normal path would have been. Right. And how many people have shortchanged their life because they got in debt early, because they didn't know what to do, so they took the quickest way. Yeah. And then the hard work became work instead of thinking about what kind of career that we want. Like, I had to invent a lot of work. like, it's not easy. In my 40s, to be like, I'm going to do comedy or a one man show or write books. Like, it's just easier for me to do financial transactions, honestly. Yep. I was really good at that. And it provided a lot in my life, but there's other people that can do that. Right. Right. And so it's what's fulfilling. So, you in your
1: book talk about
0: the four money personas. And yeah. I
1: actually believe if you look at some other books that have just taken off strength finders being like the one that I'm
0: coming oh, to Oh man, mind that right book's now, been a perennial bestseller. Right? And it's
1: one of the reasons is it's because of the assessment atti- attached with it, mm-hmm. and it. And it very much unpacks that. I think this book and your message here has so much potential built around the four money personas. And what I love about it is how many people pick up a book, read half of it, look at the cover, read it, don't do anything with it. The call to action in this is so pure, and I think it's I think it's genius. There's no
0: opt in or anything like yeah, that. No, yeah, no, but it's just
1: like it, But it's amazing because people can actually get take, your money persona, and you can actually start in, like applying what you're learning from even this this interview that I'm doing. Like they can start applying what what they're learning today. So talk about the four money personas, and and again, get the book yeah. right. There's there's obviously this is not a substitute for not reading, but my hope is. To encourage every single person watching this video to go look at your money persona because it, in the, the world of self-awareness it will make you more self-aware with your relationships your relationship to money and it's helped me it's helped my wife we're both we're both the same category by the way that's, that's pretty uh, rare for
0: a married couple yeah to to the same but category. it's like
1: we're and and i'm telling you scarcity is something i'm still working on to this day I, like i even i was at a conference just a couple days ago And I'm realizing one of the things I have to, I'm like, is my problem is scarcity. And it's like, we've done a lot of work together. You've seen me improve greatly. And I still, there's scarcity is, is showing up in my life in areas. And it's really, really good for me to have the language to be able to highlight that. Because before we met, I just didn't, I wasn't as self-aware of like how to really be able to highlight what's really feeling my feelings and the decisions I'm making.
0: Yeah. So the, the, Money persona you're talking about is the miser, right? Playing a game of preservation. Yeah. Which is about how do you hold on to what you can, how do you it's kind of a play not to lose, you know, how do how do I save here and not spend there? Um, but on the flip side from abundance is the mindful manager. Yeah. Detail oriented, efficient, great at improving things. Yep. Right. Think about it. You're an improver. You're all the time thinking about how things can improve. Right. That's the mindful manager. Right. Like, oh, this will be more efficient this program could be better here. Right. Like I once told you, I'm like, well, you're always going to find that cause you're the mindful <laughs> manager. Um, and I'm also a striver. So that's the, it's the, right. I we're have- not all one. Yeah. It's just what's, what do we kind of lead with? Yeah. And if times were tough, you'd go to your miser. Right. Right. So yeah, I've been all four at different points in my life based upon circumstance, based upon pressure, based upon, you know, what felt like the most control. Yep. Uh, I began my life as a miser because my family had a philosophy of okay look my great-grandfather was separated from his family for seven years not having enough money coming to America so that is like permeates at a cellular level yeah so I was like hey you're never sure if you're gonna have enough money so you got to hold on to what you got that was kind of the philosophy like where can you get the cheapest gas where if you go shopping is gonna get you the the lowest-priced food like they had books that they would track and they would share notes and drive across town just to save a few bucks. That's fine. But in production, that could really start to cost you because you're saving pennies at the expense of dollars. Yeah. Right? So so there's it's not that any one persona is all good or bad. It's just that in scarcity, we operate as the miser. And in abundance, we're going to operate more like a mindful manager. Now, the second money persona is the conservative, which the conservative is a hesitant, overly analytical, know-it-all a lot of times. They play a game called accumulation it's all about how can i set money aside for the future often focused on retirement planning and retirement plans and diversified portfolios and mm-hmm. kind of they can operate as a bit of a know-it-all like i, I see this sometimes in like midwestern yeah. men like professors and stuff like how how could yeah. you not know this how you're so stupid yeah but on the flip side in abundance they're the planner, stable yeah. thoughtful strategic every major organization has great planners a cfo or yeah. you know it's like they, they're great at at mitigating risk they're yep. great at monitoring the effectiveness or efficiency of projects and pro formas and projections and so they're great at understanding if something can actually yep. be implemented with the bandwidth of what's there so that's that one i'm now where i've spent most of my working years has been as a striver creator striver plays a game called status you know when i find myself in comparison or wanting yep. more like that's that's, oh I'm, a, I'm strive, i'm gonna work harder yeah. right they think they could work harder to make more but they inevitably burn out um so that game of status can be can be dangerous like the striver wants to earn it yep. they want to do the work but on the flip side in abundance they're the creator yeah. artist the inventor yeah. you know entrepreneur yep. they lead with innovation and ingenuity and that's how they deliver value um and the final one is the high roller they play the game called opportunity often raising funds, cutting corners, taking on too much risk. Uh, But the flip side is the catalyst, the winning persona there. And the catalyst is a visionary, a connector, a mover and shaker. They think and, and, and play big and show us ways we can all win together. So, you know, that's a really brief kind of broad stroke overview, but to understand like, how they view money and what the, the, you know, good and bad, or how they would answer a question around money and what that would trigger or what would it's, it's very, very useful.
1: Do you have data on just like if where most people are, like are most people conservative or misers or
0: the high roller, um, catalyst is the rarest of them. Yeah. It's also okay.
1: probably the most dangerous. is the most upside and most downside. of them.
0: Yet they're going to be more well-known famous people. Yep. Yeah. That are high roller catalysts because they're gonna Take on be the more likely to be on the cover of some magazine or something like that. There's a there's a big percentage of the population that is miser, yeah. um, you know, mindful manager, and uh, then a less striver creator than miser mindful manager. You got, I would say, I mean, I, I, if I look at the data from what's come in, yeah. it's like two thirds of the or more is stuck in play not to lose which is either conservative or miser yeah play not to lose hold on to what i got Save what i can you know there's fewer entrepreneurs than there are employees where more entrepreneurs are going to be like a striver yeah so it's just kind of indoctrinated into us in, in a lot of ways of how to operate and and learn behavior from the time we're young looking at you know conversations with family members or uh, you know just negativity or yeah. difficult circumstances
1: is there anything that you wrote in the book that while writing you you kind of laughed to yourself to be like this is gonna this is gonna make some people angry
0: <laughs> uh, i mean killing sacred cows felt like it was gonna be like that i mean i think it's gonna be most surprising is the last two chapters yeah like the last two chapters are very much i've never written like this before um but i think it's where the real depth is and where the real value to unlock people's potential, to help them embrace prosperity and abundance and yep. and to heal from some of the damages around money. So that's really where the money unmasked comes from is those final two chapters. But th- when we had advanced reader groups, the cycle of creation chapter, cause I, they didn't get to read the last two chapters cause I hadn't written them mm-hmm. when I did the first advanced reader group. We had a 80,000 word book at that time. This is down to like 43, I think. It's hard to shorten it, oh. but cycle of creation was the thing that got the most attention. People wanted to talk about it, they wondered why it hadn't been written about before. And, you know, it was great. It's like how do we take an idea and profit from it up front before having to borrow or invest money and, and like how to mitigate the risk along the way and ask the questions like that's the chapter that, that definitely got the most attention. So cycle
1: of creation, obviously, what's the framework big picture wise?
0: How do you go from an idea and crystallize that so it's more concrete and it becomes a concept? How do you go from a concept to a framework? So you can start to delegate and have people support and have it come to implementation and bring that out as a product, service, or experience. And how do you profit from it in the concept phase? And we've seen a lot of that with, you know, a lot of the microfunding sites, yep. uh, not micro, but uh, crowdsourcing yep. type of stuff, you know, where people are paying for something and then it's yep. being built and they didn't borrow money. They're just now fulfilling for yep. the people who funded it. So. That's a concept that's big in this whole book called "How Do You Win First, Then Play," yep. where the win is in the work and where the profit is up front, and it's not about sacrifice. So it's like, it's a, it's such a radically different book than what you would get in most finance books. Yep. Like if you read Susie Ormond or Dave Ramsey, it's going to be you should save, you should spend less. Yep. Why didn't you know better? You should have done more. You got to get your planning in order. Don't you know? Cut up your credit cards. So, you know, don't go on vacations like that. Has really kind of been a big narrative for for those types of books. And then you get a lot of books that are really specialist books based upon specific strategies for yeah. a specific type of real estate or a specific type yeah. of insurance. Like what well, would the Rockefellers do? It was kind of like that, that I yeah. wrote, um, where yeah. this is like, what is the overall worldview and philosophy that's going to help you yeah. to maximize your life and have money be an asset versus a liability? It's, it's, it's beautiful, man. Any, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? I wrote and rewrote and wrote and rewrote. And I, the last few weeks of, of before this was due, I think I rewrote at least 50% of it wow. because it was just so much came through and it was like the most exciting week of writing I'd had. I was calling one of my editors constantly. I was having my wife come in and I'm like, let me read this to you. I was calling my business partner, core. I mean, like it, this, I'm, I'm putting 20 years of my life into getting this out in the world. Yeah. I think it's that important. I feel like some of this, flowed through me and was a gift and I don't know where it came from but it's just so resonant with the people that have read in the advanced reader groups or the people that uh, you know have got this advanced copy like like you have so this is the to me I don't know what do you call it this is like my uh this is the book of all the books I've yeah. written this I've, is the book it's 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 tough for me to say that because Killing Sacred Cows is
1: is an amazing book that has shifted way people viewed money you know what would the Rockefellers that is like the an amazing book that so many people and it's crazy to see like that take off during on amazon it's so and crazy stuff. right and so like that and then you have some others but i do agree with you with the with what you've done with the quiz the or assessment the book the message behind it in the last two chapters i think is the most powerful message you have to offer from a standpoint if you really want to figure out the money thing you got to figure out this thing
0: yeah and I think it blends like practical, like, because the argument against kill, Killing sacred Cows if you read negative reviews, um, which I used to. Yeah, it's not
1: good for your mental health now. I,
0: I had my first YouTube comment bother me a little bit. I've never had a YouTube comment bother me. I got the first one that bothered me this week. And Trisha, when she signed me today, she goes, did you read that comment? I'm like, yeah, it kind of bothered me, but I'm like, eh, they've got something else going on. It's not about me. But the, the critique of Killing Secret Cows is overly philosophical. And it's true, it's a very philosophical book because it's like, let me point out these nine myths that if you don't understand, right. it's gonna confiscate wealth. But it didn't really put the puzzle pieces together. Right. Then what would the rock foes do? My critique, I'm. What what is that like? a? It's like 4.6 or 4.7 out of five with almost that 1,900 like, reviews. Yeah, it's insane. Which is shocking for the main thing being insurance. Yeah, that's... I mean, like, I would I, expect... I'm actually
1: shocked that it's not lower reviews. And you know
0: how many of those reviews I asked for? 0. Yeah. There's another version on there that has 72 reviews. Yeah. When I first released the book, I asked for reviews for some friends that are part of that 72. That's, uh, that's so I've asked for none of these yeah. post 1900 reviews. But that book was like uh, some of the critique, like Mark Ford, you know, Palm yeah. Beach, he's like he's like this book made me actually radically rethink things about legacy even though it was an insurance book. Yeah. The insurance book part is accurate. It, it is very strategic about what yeah. to do with insurance. So, I think it's a great book on that topic, but this is a nice big idea. Yeah. Like money persona. Yeah. How how we can make better financial decisions once we understand that. How we can get along people with different financial money personas and actually accomplish more because of that. Yeah. And then into how do we become more resourceful so we could turn our ideas into profit without having to take a bunch of risk? Yeah. And where do we find hidden capital? so that we could mine that capital and actually have that show up in our lives, in quality of relationships and in our finances, and then get into these later parts of reclaim time. I don't even understand how that, like when that came through, that was yeah. pretty amazing. I think yeah. that's a really unique, unique chapter. Um, reclaim cash has been a message I've put out there yeah. before, not a radical piece yeah. of this book, if you've read my other works, but the la- again, those last two chapters, like that last chapter, I don't like, Man, when it came through, it changed me as a writer. It's cool. I now have a blog because of that chapter. You know, I love that. I, I love the quotes in this book too, because I have so many just funny quotes to begin the chapters. I just put a post on Facebook. I'm like, hey, I've got this book coming out. I have a couple chapters I don't have a quote for. What are some of your favorite quotes? And people put stuff like Ferris Bueller, right? <laughs> like people put stuff like uh, Friday Night Lights. You're talking to the wrong
1: person <laughs> like here. you don't know any of no, these like <laughs> yeah. i'm just yeah but
0: you know yeah life moves pretty fast if you don't stop look around once in a while you could miss it ferris bueller like just from an old movie that was before you were born um no worries but some really like a couple fun fun pieces here but this book has a heart it has a pulse yeah. it has emotion it has vulnerability that's missed been missing from some yeah. of my other books. Yeah,
1: man, I'm I'm excited to read it. And here's here's three call to actions. If you're if you're watching this, number one is you can pre-order this book, or you may be watching this after October, and you can go order the book on Amazon. So yeah. there'll be a link down below if there's a better place. But I'm I'm thinking Amazon's it. the
0: only place I on know you can re- yeah pre-order it. yeah.
1: So so go pre-order this on Amazon. Number two, we'll have a link for the quiz that you can go check out your money persona, which I think is like, why not? Just everyone should do that. And then the third thing is, if you're someone that is a stage controller, if you have influence in some area, um, you have an amazing production that kind of goes along with this book that uh, is something I have seen. And I'm very, very excited to see you continue to share the message because I think with the quiz, I think with the book, and I think with your one-man show all coming together, it's like the trifecta that yeah, some people that's, have books. That's putting that
0: in action. Yes. You know? so. You know,
1: and you can pre-order it right now.
0: Yep, that's pretty cool. I think, yeah, pre-order it. Let's see how it's doing. That's how it's doing. It doesn't show as a pre-order. You know how like normally you can see how your book ranks.
1: I think I think this has potential. The like the, what's the book right next to there? The The Psychology of Money. I think that concept. that, it has, that has thirty-four thousand reviews. It was a major
0: eighty-six thousand reviews. So I'm looking. I want this to be the the, the book for the next decade in finance.